The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, I'm Michael. I grew up in South Louisiana. My mother was a lapsed Catholic and my father was on a journey (laughs) to find Jesus in a lot of different places with my stepmother. Anyway, so I, I grew up in church really through them. But when I went into college, I made, I made poor decisions and I walked away from the Lord and I wasn't sure about a relationship with him anymore. I didn't know if, you know, being baptized as a kid was, was enough. And so I lived pretty much every day with the fear of death because I knew that I was wrong. I knew that there was something that I should be doing that I wasn't and I just couldn't work it out in my mind. I met my wife while I was away from the Lord and we, had a started a family, but there was something, you know, obviously wrong, obviously missing that caused a lot of uh, stresses in our relationship. We were trying to make it work on our own and eventually went bankrupt and were pretty much at one point about a paycheck away from being evicted and living in the van. Had been unemployed and I got a job working on a boat offshore um, as a deckhand in the Gulf of Mexico. And I just was, I knew that this was gonna be a bad path for me. All these guys had broken relationships. They had a warped view of what a good relationship was. Um, Some were divorced. This was pretty much the lowest of the low for me. And this was just, this was the life that I could see in front of me. What do you do when you've got life all figured out and then things go off the rails? Um, you, you're probably at least a little bit like me in that you, you think that you have a good idea of where you should go or what is best in your life. And, and it might not be that you think you've got it all figured out how to get what's best, but you at least know how to get something better than what everyone else is trying to tell you to do with your life. Meaning you are better at setting the direction for your life than anyone else because you're an expert on yourself. Right? We spend the most time with ourselves. And so, I mean, I might not know everything about myself, but I certainly know more than you do. And so you and I, we develop a sense of like, I know what's best. But then what do we do when things go off the rails, when things don't go as we planned or they don't go according to the way we figured it out? And in those moments, we find ourselves kind of surrounded by a lot of other voices of people who think they know better than we do about ourselves. And people offer us, you know, advice and counsel. And maybe you've got, maybe you're even surrounded by the voices. I I don't mean like actual voices. I mean, the things that you hear in your mind, Um, maybe it's like a parent's advice, or maybe you can actually hear a teacher or a coach or a friend, and you just kind of have all their, what they've said to you running through your mind. And when you find yourselves in difficult or challenging or troubling situations, you almost feel like you're surrounded by all this advice and counsel of what do you do when life gets off the rails and how do you get back on course? And if you're anything like me, which hopefully you're not, um, I have a little bit of a, I don't know to describe it this way, but like an inflated sense of direction. I mean, I think I have a really good sense of direction and it's gotten me into trouble sometimes. If you've heard me tell stories, I, I share one about my confidence when I was out hiking alone on a snow covered mountain uh, late in the evening. And then it got dark when I, when I summited and I'm coming down the mountain in pitch black and I totally got off my trail and I'm in about waist deep snow. And I wandered like aimlessly for a couple hours on the side of this mountain uh, and, and, I, and it, I got myself into trouble because I thought I knew where I was going 
only where I was going was not where I should have been going. And so what do you do in those circumstances? Uh, maybe you're the kind of person like me that you've actually gotten into arguments with your GPS system. Like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And some of you are sitting there like, this dude's got issues. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you too, all right? Well, at least I'm not alone here. Uh, we've, we've all had moments when we thought we knew it was best and then it got us into trouble. And, and so in those moments, some of you, you listen to friends or counselors, maybe you've gone to counseling or maybe you've got a teacher or someone else in your life or you don't know where to turn. Some of you, you turn to someone who's religious and they say things. They say things like, oh, don't worry, God's got a plan. And what that means is like, I'm just gonna live aimlessly hoping that whatever I'm doing is God's plan. Or uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. I think God, and I heard somebody say recently, like, God significantly overestimates my skills. God significantly over overestimates my strength. Uh, I, I don't think God is not giving me more than I can handle. Or like, you know, don't, God, don't worry, God's got it all figured out. And, and what happens is we say these religious things that make us feel better when we say them, but to the person hearing it, it's actually incredibly confusing and it distorts our views of God. And, and it actually throws people off because it gives us a, long, a wrong understanding of who God is and how God works. And so when you're surrounded by difficult circumstances and you're surrounded by a lot of voices of people telling you what you should do or what is best for your life, when you find yourself off course, how do you get back on? And so we're gonna jump back 3,000 years to the story of the life of this guy named David who went from being a shepherd boy to a renowned warrior to the king of the nation of Israel. He, he's the author of one of the most famous, probably the most famous poem ever written. Uh, it's also the most famous passage in the Bible called Psalm 23. While we don't know exactly when it was written or where it was, where it was written, meaning the circumstances, we have a really good idea that it was probably written from a cave on the top or on a, up on a mountain where David would have gone to hide. It was actually one of his favorite hiding spots. You say favorite, why? Well, because David often as a warrior found himself being hunted. People, enemies wanting to chase him. And so this was kind of his favorite hiding spot. He would bring his soldiers up there. They would go and they would hide while the king, the, the former king of the nation of Israel is hunting him while other enemy troops are hunting him. And so from the cave of Adullam, at some point while he's being hunted, he looks out from that cave and he can look down on the valley of where uh, the village of Bethlehem was where he grew up, where he grew up as a shepherd raising sheep and he could look out at pasture land and the waters where he would have brought the sheep to drink and probably sitting in the cave, he would have written the Psalm 23 that you're familiar with. And so it reads this way, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And so here he is in a, in, as an adult in very difficult circumstances, surrounded by enemies, maybe even surrounded by different people who tell him that they know what's best for him. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And I unpacked these, two ver these first two verses uh, already. And so let me jump into this third one. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Here's David hiding in a cave, hunted and haunted by enemies, surrounded by people who are telling him, no, you don't know what's best, I know what's best. And he's going, my God has guided me into the right paths for my life and he's put his reputation on the line in my life. I don't know about you, but that's hard to believe if you're in those circumstances. And 
there's several moments that we could um, look at in the life of David where we could see him living out this verse. But I want to bring you to a specific story where David is with his army and they're at war against the Philistines. The Philistines are kind of like, they're the never ending problem. Maybe in your life, there's some chronic issue that just never goes away. Maybe you've worked for the same company and it's that same coworker that just bothers you all the time. Whatever that issue is, I don't even want to go into the long list of things that could just be never ending. But the Philistines are that for the nation of Israel. And so let's jump into this story where the Philistines are at war with Israel. And here we go. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against uh, Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And this is an interesting thing. Here's David, who is a warrior and a great leader. And every time he faces an enemy, Every time he's surrounded, he does this very specific thing. It says that, and over and over and over, you see this pattern. It says, he inquired of the Lord. Basically, he stopped and he said, God, what do you think is best in this situation? He inquired of the Lord. And then something equally surprising happens. The Lord answered. I don't know if that surprises you, but I like that. I'm excited when I read that. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. And, and so here, here's David, he prays, he says, God, you know, what should I do? And God answers him. And you know, it's not like he heard a voice like, David, go to Keilah. You know, like it, it's probably somewhat of an impression. He probably had a sense as he was praying, as he was asking God in prayer, he got a sense, this is what I should do. Well, you know, the thing about senses is some people sense things differently than you do. And so the people surrounding David had a different thought about the same situation. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more then if, meaning we're at home, we're in walled cities and we're scared of the Philistines. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? So I just want to pause. You know, we do this thing over and over and over again uh, with, with each other. We'll ask somebody, you know, they're, they're a younger person. You, you've probably just done this recently. You're talking to a teenager or something and you said, um, hey, so what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, where are you going to go to college? You know, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with a career? And... And I did this to my four-year-old, literally the other day. He, his birthday was just the other day. And uh, I said, to, I was playing with my son, Daniel. And I was like, hey, you know, so what do you want to be when you get older? And I, I think he said something like, I want to be a fire truck or something. Uh, but, you know, like, but it's funny how, like, we, we take the approach with young people that they know what's best. Like, my, I think that my four-year-old, well, I don't actually believe this, but... By virtue of asking the question that way, what I was telling him was, you're the expert on your life. You know what's best for you when you grow up. We, we ask people, so, you know, who, who, are, who are you interested in dating? Who do you want to marry? You know, what do you want to do next with your life? You know, where do you want to go? What do you want to buy? What house do you want to live? Like, as if you and I are the experts on our life. And then what happens when we get it wrong is everybody chimes in and they think, they're an expert on our life. There's people who think they're an expert on your dating life, right? They, they think they're an expert on your marriage. They think they're an expert. Oh, this is my favorite one. I'm gonna, I was gonna go off and rant here, but like, you know, it's funny how everybody thinks they're an expert on your kids. I, I got enough of them. Maybe you are an expert on my kids, I don't know. But uh, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing about when things get a little off, everybody else thinks they know better than you. And, and that's what happens 
in this situation with David. So his, the men say like, we know better than you. Here's what David does. So he, he's gone, he's prayed, God, should we go to war against the Philistines in Keilah? God says, yep, go, I'm gonna give you victory. All his friends are like, no, we know better than you. Don't go, we're scared. Here's what David does. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. He goes back to God and says, God, now I'm scared. Before I was just kind of curious. Now I'm a little freaked out because I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who think they're experts on my life and my leadership. And again, the Lord answered him. Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. And here, here is the key. How does David have the confidence to lead his soldiers into battle when they're afraid and the enemy is bigger and greater than they are? How do you get the confidence to take a next step in life when the next step might feel intimidating, difficult, challenging, or frightening? Here's the key. David got confidence because he recognized that he is not the leader in his own life. He is not the expert on his own direction. The principle that jumped off the pages of the story and this famous poem, he guides me into the right path for his namesake is this, the right path is only found by following the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me in the right paths for his namesake, which means the right path in my life is only found by following the shepherd. And you and I prove this over and over and over again because when we think we're the expert and we do what we think is best, we find ourselves in trouble. Why? Because what we think is best may not actually be what's best, it just feels best. And there is a difference between what is best and what feels best. Meaning just because it feels good doesn't mean it's actually good for you. If that was the case, you and I would be able to eat chocolate all day, every day for every meal, right? Just because it tastes good doesn't mean it's good for you. Now, some of you are like, oh, I know dark chocolate's actually good for you. All right, well, it's not good for you if you eat it three meals a day, at the very least, right? There's a lot of foods we would be eating if we thought it was just because it tastes good, it is good. And there's a lot of things we have to avoid even though it tastes good, we realize it's not good. So why are we tricked? Because we think it feels good or it tastes good or it seems best, why isn't it best? Because you and I are hardwired. Somewhere deep in the circuitry of who we are, not in our thinking, not in our emotions, although those are corrupted, it's at a deeper level, at a spiritual level, you and I are broken. There is a sabotaging force that lives inside of every one of us called sin. It is a spiritual force that is sabotaging us. It tricks our emotions, making us believe that it feels good, making us believe that it is best for us, so that it tricks our thinking, so that we begin to think that this is best for us. And as a result, we go against God down paths that lead toward our ruin. We think they're best, but they're something far less. And it hurts us, it ruins us. This is what sin does in our life. It drives us away from God toward what we think feels good or is good. And as a result, it wrecks our life. Sin, the goal of sin is not just to wreck us or ruin us or hurt a relationship or wreck your career. The end result is not just death, but eternal ruin. Another author, the prophet Isaiah wrote this in ancient times. He was a prophet to the nation of Israel, and he wrote this. We all like sheep, so we're sticking with the same metaphor here. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. So, you know, the thing about sheep is they have no sense of direction. You know, like a homing pigeon, no matter where you bring it, it'll fly back 
home. Uh, there are animals that if you let them loose, they will find their way back. Some of you, you try to get rid of a family pet and it found its way. Some of you are like, your dad's like me and you're like, I'm so sick of this dog. And so you, I'm, all right, I'm kidding. Um, some, some of our children have a surprising sense of direction. Shocking, I'm kidding. <laughs> some of y'all, you don't have a sense of humor, man. Um, all right, we all like sheep. Sheep have no sense of direction. If the shepherd leaves, they will just wander aimlessly. You can't just like drop them here and they'll find their way back to the shepherd. They won't, they'll get lost. And so he's borrowing from that concept and he's saying, we're all just like that. We have a propensity to wander. We will get lost. No matter, we will not arrive at the right destination on our own. We will actually go off on wrong paths. And he said, and the consequence of that is when you go down a wrong path driven by sin, it leads to ruin. It will, the path will, lead to you going into the thorns or the, into, off a cliff or into your destruction. And so he said, and the Lord has laid on him, on the coming Messiah, the iniquity of us all. The word iniquity is a desire to wander off, to disregard the right way or the laws. This is when you see the speed limit sign and you put your foot on the gas. That's iniquity. It's wanting to disregard the law. It's willingly wandering in the wrong direction. And so that has consequences. And so what this verse is saying is, God took the payment, the cost, the penalties, the eternal judgment for doing that, and he poured it onto Jesus. So as Jesus is dying on the cross, this innocent God-man is absorbing the iniquity, all the tickets, all the penalty, all the suffering, all the death, and the eternal judgment that we deserve for our wandering ways and he pours it onto Jesus so that when he died, he died in our place so that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ is forgiven of their sins. But Jesus not only died, he rose. He rose victorious over the sabotaging force of sin. He rose victorious over death and eternal judgment because he rescues us from those wrong wandering ways and he invites us to follow his right paths. This is how Jesus described it. And it was recorded by the author, John. Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He's talking about you. He says, I, I opened the gate of heaven to you. I've invited you in. And as you go through life, the way you, fought, the way you go through life rightly is you know my voice and I call to you. He goes, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. He's talking about the way of life here. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Here's what I can assure you of. Jesus knows you. He knows you by name. He purchased you from death to life. He paid for the penalty of your sin so that shame and guilt can be removed. Jesus knows you. The real question is whether you know him and whether you know his voice. He knows your voice. He hears every cry. He sees every tear. He hears every prayer. The question is whether we are tuned into his voice. And I can assure you, when you believe in Jesus by faith, when you believe that he died, that he rose again, his spirit enters into your spirit so that not only are you confident that he knows you, but his spirit in you gives you confidence that you can know him and you can be tuned in to his voice. And when you're tuned into God's voice, what that means is like a shepherd, he leads. 
He guides you down the right paths. He goes ahead of you. He knows what's best for you. And he invites you into the best way of life. And that changes everything for every one of us. In fact, it certainly changed it for Michael. And so I'm gonna invite you to hear a little bit more of his story. When I came back from this first uh, hitch offshore, my wife, Naomi, she said, your mom invited me to this church. She said, I'd really like to go again uh, this weekend. And I was like, ugh. I said, okay, fine, you know, let's go. Everybody that I saw or came into contact with on the way into the building just looked like they were at peace, you know, that they weren't afraid. Man, I got into the service and the Lord just hit me. And I asked Jesus to forgive me. The hope that enters in immediately, the way that you see the world, you know, it, it takes the cynical glasses off your eyes. The fear of death is gone, you know, because you know that Jesus has you and no matter what happens, no matter where you go from here. After that, going forward, working on the boat, um, God started to, as I was started reading my Bible, his kind of like message for me that kept showing up in everything that I read. He was teaching me um, about perseverance, about doing your best in the day. I persevered out there for two years and then uh, was able to come on shore and find another job to be close to my family. And that was the start of like an upward trend for us. At that point, it's awesome because we were on the same page. We needed to be in the presence of God. We needed to be with his people. It was like coming home, you know, and realizing that there's this whole community of people out there who love Jesus. There was a guy who invited me to come serve um, in kids ministry um, because I had kids. I was like, I don't know anything about watching other people's kids, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I like my kids. I don't necessarily like other people's kids, but um, I said, okay, sure, man. I mean, cause uh, he seemed, he was full of the love of Christ and full of joy. And um, I decided to start serving. And it's like, when you start serving, that's just a whole nother facet of it. It just kind of, you feel like that, that outflow of service, like God fills you back up with more. You know, it wasn't like we, we saw a checklist and like, you've got to do this, you have, you have to serve, you have to read your Bible, you have to do this. It was like, we, we were hungry for it. For so long, I kept it all inside. Um, the fear, the struggle, you know, the sin. When I couldn't see a way out, you know, God knew. God, God had a future for me. Takes, takes a lot of courage for someone to get on camera and share their story with thousands of you. And so hopefully you can appreciate Michael's courage here. Michael discovered a principle in his life that David revealed through his life pattern. And that is that you get confidence in going down right paths when you discover that you are not the leader or the expert of your life, but that God leads and you follow. And I am gonna go down an expertly crafted path if I trust that God is the leader of my life and he knows what's best. And so I wanna make that really practical for you. So I'm gonna give you a couple keys right from this verse. Basically, I'm gonna take apart this verse, Psalm 23, verse uh, uh, two. I don't know why I thought it was verse three, but here we go. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So let's just start here. He guides me. What, what does that imply? That we follow the leader. I, I mean, you gotta admit that that's kind of the easy, obvious answer, right? And so some of you, you played this game as kids where you did follow the leader and uh, maybe it didn't quite work out like we hope it does in life. My brothers and I, we would do follow the leader on bikes and that usually led to some bloodshed because the one in front was usually the best because they're like, yeah, follow me. And, like, and we're like trying to keep up. And we're like going off crazy ramps and jumps and running through the woods. And, and like, so I'm hoping that God is not like, 
I don't know, out to get me like my older brothers were, trying to set me up for failure, but some of you fear that. And so how does God guide me and how do I follow the leader? The primary role of the shepherd is to lead the sheep. It's leadership. So how does Jesus lead us? Well, let me give you a couple of things that Jesus is not. He is not a dictator. He doesn't have a leash on you and he's just dragging you down the path. Nor is he running a democracy. Jesus is not asking for your vote, all right? A shepherd goes ahead of his sheep, plots the path, and the sheep have no idea where they're going, why they're going there, or what time to go. They just willingly follow. So he's not trying to take up a vote, but he's also not running some kind of a laissez-faire government where you can just do whatever you want, nor is it anarchy, where everybody gets to make up their own rules. He is in lead. He is the shepherd. He sets the right path, and the only choice you have is are you going to follow him or are you going to go your own way? That's what it means to follow the leader. You can either follow God who knows what's best in my life, or I can go in my own direction, but it will be something far less than best. All right? So wait, let, let's think about this. If, he's, if, if I'm following the leader, what does that mean? It means that I trust that he knows why we're going, where we're going. He knows what's ahead. He knows the destination. He knows why we have to go there. In the context of a shepherd, he knows that there's food there or there's water there or there's um, the pen is up ahead. The sheep have no idea why they're following that path. They just trust the shepherd. The, the shepherd knows not only why we're going there, he knows the destination and he knows the best timing. And some of us, we've got to learn to trust that the shepherd of our life knows why we're going where we're going, that he knows where we're going, and he knows the best timing of when we're going. And so our responsibility in following the leader is to do just that, to stay close enough that we can actually follow the leader because our propensity is to wander and stray and go down our own paths. And so then the second thing that you discover in reading this verse is he guides me along right paths. So let's take apart this idea of right paths. Well, the concept here would be follow the right paths. Do you guys see the genius of this idea? I mean, I just took it right out of the verse, follow the right paths. Okay, but that's a really big deal because that means the word right, follow me, right means what God says is right is best for us. If God says it's right, it is best for us, even if everyone around us says it's not. Even if everyone in your life doesn't think that's right or best, I don't care what, think about it. There's going to be a lot of people in your life that are going to say that's not the right path. There's gonna, you're going to see it in the media, in the news. You're going to hear it in the music, in the movies you watch. You're going to have friends around you that are going, no, no, this is the right path. And you're going to have to have this built-in trust that says, if God says this, this is right, then it is best. And it's the only right path that leads to life. I'm going to repeat that because that's an important statement. If it's the right path guided by God, then it is the only right path that leads to life and what is best in your life. Any other path will lead to something wrong and destructive and will not produce what is best and life-giving for you. And some of us wonder why we are so beat down, so discouraged, why our life feels like a living 
hell. It's because we're ignoring the paths of God and we're going down paths that lead to death and ruin because our friends are cheering us on in that path or the counsel that we've listened to or surrounding us is leading us down that path or it's a popular way of living that's guiding us down that path. And we've got to come to a place in life where if it's the right way of God, then it is what is best and it is the only way that leads to life. It implies that there are wrong paths. That means we have to stop for a moment and go, wait, not every path is going to get you to heaven. Not every path is going to lead to what's best. Not every path is going to lead to life. And so I have a responsibility to carefully follow the leader down right path, which means Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice and they listen. Here's how you listen to the voice of God. Number one, you have to spend time reading the word of God. We have access to the Bible. You can, get, you can download an app on your phone, new version. You can read the Bible. You can listen to it. You can have, we'll give you a Bible for free on your way out. I mean, get, get a hold of the Bible, start reading the Bible because it's a way of hearing the word of God. Not only read it, but pray. Spend time praying like David did. He inquired of the Lord, God, what would you have me do in this situation? I'm facing a difficult decision. There are a thousand ways I could do this. God, what is best? What is right? Not only do we read the Bible and pray, we listen to godly counsel. We, we make sure that we, are, we have peace in our heart. Peace is an indicator that you are on the right path. Peace is like driving down the road, and as long as you don't hit the rumble stri strips, you're heading in the right direction. You, you feel the little da 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 in your life, and that's an indication that you're getting off the right path. Okay, so my responsibility is to stay close to the shepherd, listen to his voice, spend time in the word of God, in prayer, and recognizing that am I listening to godly counsel, and do I have peace in my life? And then finally, David writes, for his name's sake. And the point of this is that David's saying, I follow the leader down right paths, because God wants to show off his fame and his name. This is a really, this is an important factor of the why behind God's leadership in our lives. Show off God's fame and name. The point is this, you went into a business and you have an experience with an employee. The experience you have with the employee will give you a judgment on the quality of the company. So you go to Chick-fil-A and you get your chicken sandwich and the, uh, the person who serves you says, you, know, you say like, hey, thank you. And they're like, oh, it's my pleasure. And you're like, and you have this feeling like, they feel privileged to, to serve me. Now, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna make this, now you might not think that the first time, but the second time somebody says it, you're like, this is a pattern. I think that the CEO of this company must think highly of the customers. Now you can go to another store and you get treated really badly and you walk in there and here's what you said. I'll never shop there again. I mean, it's full on like, it's Walmart or something. Like you don't have a choice. And you're like, I, I did this. I, I got a, Laura and I, we went on a date to the Inner Harbor Baltimore. I, give, I shouldn't even say this, but anyway, and I got a ticket. A parking ticket. I was trying to park in the right spot. I don't even know that place is like a maze. I couldn't find a, I thought I parked in the right spot. I got a ticket. I was so mad. I was like, I'm never going to Inner Harbor again. I am never, I, I'm done. And like, and I, I had a bad attitude toward the mayor of the city. I thought, oh, I'm going to write off a whole city of Baltimore. I'm never even going near there again. And uh, why? Because I had a bad experience. And so I transferred that. That's what the CEO must be like. That's what the mayor must be like. That's what all the people who work there must be like. And some of you are like, I agree. You know, okay, look, you 
You are the mark of God for the people around you. You carry the reputation of God in your life. So he is leading you down right paths because he is putting his reputation on the line with your life. When you get off track, you are, in, you are saying, God is leading me down wrong paths. So God is looking out for you. He wants to guide you and you have a responsibility to follow him because he has what's best in store for you. God's way takes longer. God's way is probably less comfortable. You don't get there nearly as fast, but he's always out for your best. And you have to trust that God has marked you with the reputation and the character of himself. Your life is an indication of who God is. And so you have to trust him. Now, what that means is this. God is going to build into your life his voice, his spirit, so that you can trust him and follow him. Others might not have, like David's friends, might have no idea why. They might not hear what God is saying to you, but you've got to learn to tap into the voice of God. I want to, I want to illustrate this for you. I, want to, I hope that this means as much to you as it does to me. But any given weekend, when we do a video, when we're, when we're on, I'm on video, maybe you're not seeing me live, but you see me on video, that, that sermon is captured by our video operators, our camera operators, right? And they are capturing it, meaning the, the video angles that are shot are directed by our video director. His name is Zach, and Zach sits up in a booth behind the scenes, and he's speaking into their ears. They're wearing a headset. You guys see him up there? Cool, we got a camera on him now. Haha, <laughs> Zach. Now it's your turn. Um, and, there, and here's the thing. He's, he's speaking into their headsets as they're getting the different uh, angles. And as I move around the stage, he's talking to them and he's calling out shots. A little bit like the way God wants to direct you. And so I want you to, we're going to listen in. You want to hear how it works? Check this out. You would never hear this normally. But listen in. Check this out. Coming to four, four is live. Whenever he turns back to us, coming to three, three is live. Coming to two for that close shot, two is live. Coming to four, four is live. Oh, oh, track, three is live. Good job, guys. All right, coming to two. Oh, coming to four first, four is live. Coming to two, two is live. Three, frame up TV. Computer, go ahead and throw that for me, please. Three is live. Good. All right, coming to four when he moves away from the TV. Four is live. Coming to two. Two is live. Coming to four. Three is live. All right, guys. Back to you, Pastor Patrick. that here's the thing we all can't hear it but there's a director guiding those operators with the right shot with the right moment at the right time you all you see is the impact you you just see the screen they hear the voice there are people who are just gonna they're gonna see the they're gonna see the sign in your life they're just gonna see the outcome but you hear the voice now he's not the only one speaking Every weekend when we get in a worship moment, you hear the vocalist singing, you hear the instrumentalist playing, you know what they hear? They have, a, they have a voice in their ear, a band director leading them, calling out directions. So we're gonna listen into them for a moment. Isn't this cool? Check this out. Let's listen in.
know about you, but like, I think this is really cool. There, there are, now, I'm not even that, I don't have that kind of skill to multitask. So if I had to do that job, they, they'd be all over the place. I love that my God has the ability to multitask. That, that he sees every detail. He knows every right moment. My God can keep me. My God can do more than one thing at the same time. My God knows where I'm going, why I'm going there in the right time to get there. He has a right path for me and he's leading me. You might not hear what God is speaking in my ear. You just see my, the outcome of my life. But for me, I'm gonna trust that the shepherd of my life is guiding me on right paths for his name's sake. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. There's probably two groups of people here. One, the first group, you're somebody who you, you've tried to navigate your own life and it's gotten you in a little bit of trouble. And today you're ready to surrender and say, I'm gonna give the leadership of my life over to God. He's the shepherd, I will follow him because he paid the price for my life. He rose from the dead and I'm gonna give him my life. And if that's you, your, your commitment is to say yes to Jesus. For others of you, your commitment is that you believe in Jesus, you just haven't learned to let him lead yet. He wants to whisper in your ear. He wants to give direction to every step. And your moment is simply an act of surrender to say, I'm gonna trust the leadership of the shepherd. Would you allow me to pray over you right now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who is willing to give his life and rise from the dead to rescue me from my wandering ways. Now, God, we surrender to you and to your leadership in our life. Would you tune our ears to your voice and give us the courage and the trust to follow you down the right paths that show off your name and your fame. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.